My name is Mike Finnerty, and you're listening to the To The Point podcast. You're welcome to episode five of the To The Point podcast with me, Keen McNicholas. And on today's episode, I chat to Mayo News sports editor and broadcaster, Mike Finnerty. Mike sits down for a chat about his very eventful career as a broadcaster and commentator working for broadcasters like Sky, BBC, Air, RTE, TV3 and many more. Also about his role as sports editor for the Mayo News and much more. You can contact the podcast via email at tothepointpodcast2021 at gmail.com or you can go check out our social medias on Instagram and TikTok. Without further ado, here is the interview with Mike Finnerty. Mike, um, I start off with a quick game. It's called an opinion on game. So you give your opinion on a few topics I name out to you. Is that okay? No problem. So I start off with more of a, I'd say an easier one. Um, what's your kind of opinion on, because you're working in, in obviously print media, what's your opinion on the fall of, the fall in sales of, I guess, print, uh, print newspapers? Yeah, there's no doubt it's uh, it's a very relevant topic in the in the newspaper industry, and it has been, to be honest, for the certainly the last five to, to probably ten years. It's been a it's been a gradual uh, decline as as online media and digital publishing has grown. The challenges and the the pressures on traditional media sources has obviously increased, and I can only speak, I suppose, specifically for the Mayo News in terms of how we try and address those challenges. And we, we're quite fortunate that we've been, we've been able to, to slow down the decline through what we would feel is a quality product that we bring to the market each and every week. And I think that's probably the key, in my opinion. It's the consistency of your product. If you can bring a consistently good uh, local newspaper, in our case, to market every week, and you can build up a loyalty and a trust and a confidence with your readers, then it gives you a chance. It gives you a chance of of keeping your position in the market and, and obviously allowing you as well maybe to, to, to pivot across and develop your online strategy because obviously you can't allow that side of the business to, to just be completely left to its own devices either. You have to be proactive. You have to try and meet the challenge head on. We, we've tried to do that. Um, I think most newspapers, regional and national, have found it very challenging to find the right model but in my opinion, the Irish Times is probably the closest um, to getting it right in an Irish context in that you, you try and bring in as many subscribers as you can. You try and limit the amount of content you give away for free and you try and develop in tandem your online subscribers maintaining your, your traditional newspaper audience. It's easier said than done, but I'd like to think we're moving in the right direction. Mm, yeah. And over the past year, how have you kind of compared the traffic maybe with, you know, people not going out to supermarkets or their local shop to buy the actual print paper and going online to the mayonews.ie or .com and, and viewing articles that way? Has the traffic almost, I guess, boomed in the past year due to COVID? Yeah, it certainly has. And it was a discussion we would have had as an editorial team way back at the beginning of, of this pandemic, which 
is only a year ago, but would seem an awful lot longer. And it was something we gave a lot of thought to in terms of how we would proceed, because at that stage, nobody was too sure how long the restrictions would be in place, how stringent the lockdowns would be. And here we are a year later, still obviously knee deep in, in, in level five. But we eventually settled on, on a strategy that would be quite uh, similar to what, what we have always done, but with an increased um, an increased effort to push online readers or, or online browsers towards our digital edition. So while we haven't increased the number of stories we would publish on our website uh, free each week, we, we have increased the amount of stories that we would tease through our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in an, in, in an effort to, to catch people's attention, to let them know what's in the paper, what's in the, the digital edition. And then we would try and divert that interest or convert that interest into digital edition subscriptions. And thankfully, we've seen a, a, a very dramatic increase in our digital edition subscriptions, particularly on a weekly basis. Um, you have options, obviously, to publish a digital subscription weekly, monthly, or yearly. Uh, the yearly and monthly subscriptions have increased, but nowhere near to the same frequency as your weekly. That would lead us to, to, to surmise that there are particular stories, particular features in a given week that people are genuinely engaged with and are happy and prepared to pay two euros to download our, our, our newspaper, uh, our digital edition. But we, as a, as a management team, as an editorial team, we've come to the conclusion that giving away excess amounts of content for free is not a sustainable business model. And for that reason, we try and um, marry the traditional ways with, with trying to, uh, to entice readers to buy digital subscriptions. Mm, yeah. And you mentioned there about, you know, it, it, the obviously the readers focusing on particular stories and subscribers are subscribing weekly. I mean, how hard has it been as, as the sports editor to fill out, I mean, the, the sports section itself, because I mean, with the, with the cutoff of, of all sports over the past year, kind of, and we only saw a resurgence then uh, through, through the latter of, of last year. Yeah, I won't lie. Uh, this time last year, uh, there were times when, when I did wonder how this was going to work, because like you said, I've been, I've been in the Mayo News now for just over 20 years. And obviously until last March, last April, my working week, my working year, it had followed a fairly traditional cycle, a, a fairly, uh, we were all into it, pretty much a routine that spring followed summer and so on and so forth. And you just, you just knew the beginning of the year meant National League, then that rolled into championship. The Super League kicked off at a certain stage, the junior rugby, school sports, and it nearly, it nearly looked after itself. We just had to, to organize ourselves and, and, and just literally um, organize a newspaper every week. And then suddenly shutdown arrives and, and we're left with a blank canvas. But we have always been very fortunate that we've got a really creative team of people that work in the Mayo News in editorial, in design and production, and in, in the organization itself. And we, we took this on as a great opportunity and a great challenge to see what we could come up with on a regular basis. Now, I don't think any of us thought a year later we'd still be in that mindset, in that mind frame, but here we are. And just before I, I came on this call with you today, in fact, I was talking to a couple of my colleagues about 
articles, items that we're going to hold over for two, three, and in some cases, four weeks, because we have such flow of content uh, in the pipeline. And that's obviously where you want to be. You, you certainly don't want to be scrambling week to week. So we, we've used the time to expand our coverage of so-called minority sports. We've used this as an opportunity to shine the light onto women in sport and trying to give that as much exposure as possible. There are some great stories out there. I suppose the one that springs to mind immediately are the, uh, the male players who are out in Australia at the moment playing in the AFLW. Um, you know, they've, they've all been very, um, very much in, in the public eye over the last number of months, be it on TV or in, in, uh, in the newspapers. So it's an opportunity for us to talk to them, find out a little bit more about what it's like to play for professional sport in Australia and find out about what their plans are for the future. Likewise, it's given us an opportunity to go back and speak to former players, former footballers issues it gives us a chance to maybe drill down into some issues we started a series in the last number of weeks with mayo families who have been significantly impacted by the shutdown in sport uh, particularly very sporty families where maybe the mum and the dad and the kids are all into sport they you, they've been gone five six nights a week they're all doing their own thing and suddenly they found themselves locked down for the last 12 months. So we've used it as an opportunity to show people what we can do outside of the traditional ways of covering sport. And thankfully, going by the, the sales figures and our digital edition subscriptions, people have people have taken to it mm -hmm. and it seems to be uh, it seems to be working. Yeah. And I just want to get on to a bit about football and GA. What's your opinion on the GEA at the moment as, as a whole, I guess. The GEA, well, I'll know a lot more in a few months, hopefully, when, when the season kicks back in again. But um, right now, I think if, if anything shows you how popular the GEA has become in this country, it's a couple of months or what is it now, three coming up on four months of, of shutdown. I mean, you can't, you can't hardly have a, a conversation with somebody now or flick through your phone or pick up a paper that you're not reading or listening to somebody talking about how much they miss it, how much they can't wait for it to come back. And I think it's like everything. You don't appreciate maybe something until it's gone. And I think we all appreciate now how big of a part Gaelic Games plays in, in a lot of people's lives here in Ireland, um, be it for the spectators, obviously the players, and for those of us who, who, who are engaged with it as well in terms of, of media coverage. But from the under sixes here in my local club in Ballinrobe, right through to the, uh, to, the, to the people who want to sit down and watch club games, county games, you know, people in be it nursing homes, people who have retired. It spans the whole spectrum of, of Irish society. And I think, I think Gaelic games, by and large, is in rude health. The games, by consensus, have never been better. The players have never been fitter, faster, stronger. Um, they are for the purposes of, of playing the games, the inter-county games during COVID, they are elite athletes, or certainly they will be by the time the season um, restarts again. And that, I suppose, tells you all you need to know about where footballers and hurlers um, have, have gone, have come from, and where they've gone to over the last 10 years in particular. Um, I, can, I, I can't quite remember the football of the, the 70s and early 80s. It was before my time, but it was in and of its time, and there were some marvellous footballers, some terrific teams, but I think, to be fair, when you go back and watch 
some of that football on TG Car Gold and you compare it to, for example, uh, some of the, the great games we've had of the last maybe five years in particular between Dublin, Mayo, Kerry, Tyrone, particularly the top four, top five, um, you can see just how football has changed and for the most part has changed for the better, I would say. Yeah, and kind of looking into the future of the GEA because it still is, it's, a, it's an amateur organisation and but a, a lot of the athletes that play, the professional athletes, they train like professional athletes and they play like professional athletes. That's, that's the reality that we're at. The debate kind of going forward, do, do you feel <laughs> they have to keep it at an amateur as an amateur organization or do you feel it going towards a professional organization because that's where the players are at at the moment yeah look it's 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 the the annual question isn't it um particularly during the off season when when these are the sort of issues and and topics that that rise to the surface but look i would be a traditionalist being completely honest about it um i think there's something very special about representing where you come from be that your club or your county and I think if, if the game was to go professional, something would be would be diluted. And I think as well, being honest, the vast majority of players that I would have spoken to over the years and interviewed and, and debated this topic with, the vast majority of players have no interest in the game becoming professional. They, they, they certainly don't want to be out of pocket. Um, I think the GPA and the government and the GEA have gone a long way over the last number of years to to close that gap, to make sure that players who play at the highest level are not out of pocket and that they are compensated, be it through mileage. A lot of them now, particularly the successful players, are in a position to to earn extra revenue through endorsement deals, sponsorship deals, sponsored cars. And I think nobody begrudges them that uh, when you consider the amount of time and effort and sacrifice they give to playing uh, the, the sport they love at the highest level. But I think if you were to go down the, the route of pay for play, there's no doubt it would impact eventually on every single club in the country. And it would create an us and them, I think, as well, between the elite players and the grassroots, the, the guys who do go out and coach the under sixes or the under eights or the people who do um, line the pitches, cut the grass and, and all of that. Whereas by, by remaining an amateur organisation, it's uh, it allows everybody to be invested, I think, in the same way. And I don't see any huge appetite in the GPA or among players in general to, to, to reopen that debate again. Um, I certainly think um, it's really important and, and integral to the future of Gaelic Games that the players are compensated for, for their loss of time at work or the amount of time they into their sport in terms of you know, mileage and all that goes with it. But but for me, um, that's as far as I see it going, certainly in the in, in the near future. Yeah. And just before I get on to any other questions, do you mind just putting in your own words and uh, maybe people who might know who you are and just what you do? Yeah, so I'm, uh, my day job, my full-time job, I'm the sports editor of the Mayo News in Westport. And that was a, a, a company, a newspaper I joined out of college back in... Uh, 1999 when I graduated from then UCG now known as NUI Galway and in tandem with that since I was uh, since I was a teenager I have been lucky enough to to do quite a bit of broadcast and work started off initially with with local radio uh, climbed my way up through the up through the ranks and for the last uh, I suppose 20 years 
I have uh, been working in television as well as radio as predominantly a Gaelic Games broadcaster and commentator. Um, but also in, in, in more recent years, I've been lucky enough to dabble a little bit in soccer and rugby commentary as well, which I've really enjoyed. And um, I'm a Gaelic Games commentator with Sky Sports on the championship, have been since the summer of 2014. So at the moment, I'm preparing and gearing up for another championship, uh, which will hopefully get the green light later on today. And I'm also um, Air Sports lead commentator for the Allianz Leagues. And I've worked with them as well for uh, at this stage now, probably the guts of about 15 years um, between the artists formerly known as Satanta Sport and, and now Air Sports as well. And uh, in a radio context, then I've been working for the last uh, three to four years with BBC um, Northern Ireland, BBC Radio Ulster, for, on their coverage of both the Allianz Leagues and uh, also the Championship. So I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky in that I get to work across a broad range of mediums to cover Gaelic games predominantly. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a dream job, I suppose. And it's that cliche, it's uh, when you do genuinely love doing something and you do get a great kick out of it, it very, very rarely feels like work. Mm, yeah. And you mentioned there you've, you, you've been at the Mayo News since you came out of college and you're still there. Mm. Why have you, have you maybe stayed at the Mayo News and kind of not uh, go the traditional route of kind of going up to the ranks of the national levels? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I, I absolutely, I, I love, I love my job. That's probably the, at, at the root of it. I really like what I do, and I, I really like working in the Mayo News environment as well. As I mentioned earlier, like we have been very lucky right back to the very start to when I joined. We've been very lucky to have a really good team of people. Some have gone, some have joined. There's been there's been a, a revolving door of, of of talent, particularly in our editorial department. Um, o- over my period there, but we've we've been lucky enough that we always keep an eye out for 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 good emerging talent, and we're 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 fortunate that we've been able to bring a lot of those people in to work with us, and that gives you um, almost a, a new lease of life as well. When when somebody comes through the door and you get to to maybe work on different projects with them, um, and also I suppose I, I've I've got to be honest, I'm a Mayo person. I was born and bred here in Mayo and to get an opportunity to work with one of the countries if not the uh, the best one of the best regional newspapers in the country here in Mayo and cover sport and cover features in in your own part of the world that's um that's that's something that not everybody gets to do either and also I have to say the Mayo News have always been very supportive to me in terms of my broadcasting work. And that was another big factor for me as well. Uh, the loyalty that I would have shown the Mayo News over the years and the, the hard work and the dedication I would, would have put into my work with the Mayo News and continue to, um, that has always been repaid to me in terms of support and backing for me to, to, to do, my, to do my, my broadcasting work. And that's very important as well, that you have that sort of support behind you. And uh, like a lot of people as well, I suppose, and, and Kian, this, uh, you're, you're too young yet to be thinking about getting married, but you will probably uh, at some stage, you'll have to think about other people in your life as well. And uh, that was also a factor. It, it, it just worked out for me that my wife and I wanted to settle in Mayo. 
it, uh, it, it worked for us in terms of our career, in terms of tr to, to bringing up a family. And um, yeah, there's a very, there are very few nicer or better places to live and work than here in, in Mayo. And as, as Westport was voted Ireland's uh, most livable town uh, a number of years ago, I think that probably speaks for itself. Uh, Westport on a summer is very, very hard to beat. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I was going to ask you about the Mayo News and the kind of broadcasting, because with you, you you've, you've kind of reached the pinnacle of Irish broadcasting and commentating mm -hmm. and, and with all these big, obviously, Irish broadcasters. Um, do you feel that if you maybe did go to national level that with, with obviously the print that you might not have got those opportunities or, or the I guess, the time and the, and the support to, to have those opportunities of broadcasting? Yeah, look, it's a very good question. And it's, it's probably something I haven't thought an awful lot about in more recent years, but I would have thought a lot about a number of years ago when I was trying to, to plot my, 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 my course, as it were. And um, yeah, it, it's hard to say for sure, but certainly if, if you take the print, for example, if, if, you, if you did have a, a burning desire or a driving ambition to go and work for one of the, the national newspapers in, in Ireland, uh, be it as a, a sports journalist or a sports editor, then it's it's all consuming. There's no doubt about it. it it's all consuming. It, it would demand all of your time, all of your effort, all of your focus. And that is 100% where, where your head would have to be. Um, likewise, if you were to get an opportunity to go and work full-time with, with a national broadcaster, um, be it RTE, Virgin Media, one of the uh, one of the subscription channels again that would be a wonderful opportunity and it would be something that would demand and 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 would would need all of your time effort energy enthusiasm and focus whereas i suppose i've been i've been fortunate that i've been able to to dovetail working in the print industry at a regional level with working um in the broadcast space at a national level because I, I've, 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 first and foremost, got a very understanding wife, and I've also got a very understanding and a very loyal and a very supportive um, management team behind me in the Mayo News as well. Uh, as I said, from, from day one, they, they've been in my corner. But look, I, I'd still like to think my, my best years are ahead of me. Um, I've been very lucky, as you said. I've, I've, I've commentated on dozens of All-Ireland Finals at this stage, um, you know, TV3 gave me a massive opportunity back in 2008. That was my, my big break, really, when I, when I became the, the lead commentator on TV3's Gaelic Games coverage. Uh, they were the first national broadcaster to, to broadcast live championship games on television here in Ireland, other than RTE. And, you know, when I, when I think and look back on the fact that I was fortunate enough to, to, to be in the commentary booth that day for that first game. I was fortunate that I did Sky Sports' first ever championship broadcast uh, back in 2014. Uh, Sky Sports' first All-Ireland final um, game that they covered later that summer. And so, and so on and so forth. I mean, it's, it's very hard to have, to have too many complaints. But I would like to think that, that for as long as I'm, I'm able... Um, I will continue to, to be able to, to balance the, the, the two careers, as it were. But if ever uh, that line about you're only as good as your last game uh, applied anywhere, 
uh, I would feel it, it applies in, in, in broadcast and, and, and to a, probably a lesser extent, uh, print media, broadcasting, live broadcasting. It's a high wire act. Um, you need to be on your game. You need to be, you need to be in the zone every, every day you, you go to work. And um, thankfully, so far, so good. And um, as I said, hopefully I've got a few, more, a few more big games left in me yet. Yeah. And you mentioned, Mike, uh, at the start of the interview that you're obviously working through your teenage years, getting into broadcasting and journalism, working with obviously the local radio stations. Was it Midwest? Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess where did that kind of interest come from? Was it uh, go out and see how this goes or was it always I want to be a journalist, I want to be a broadcaster? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question, and 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 I had a feeling you were going to ask me, so I, I gave it a bit of thought a little earlier because uh, it's been quite a, it's it's quite a while uh, ago now since since I hit my my teenage years, but um, I did my best to to try and dredge up the memories and look, they're 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 great memories and they're happy memories, but I was I was the quintessential person who happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, a family friend of ours back in the back in those days, back in the very early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, was uh, Liam Horan from from Ballonrobe, fellow Ballonrobe man, who, at at one stage in his life, was the the Gaelic Games uh, correspondent for the Irish Independent. But back when uh, when he started bringing me to matches when I was twelve and thirteen years of age, he was actually working with the Western People newspaper and also working with Midwest Radio as their as their sports editor, and. Um, I, I very much ended up being an accidental kind of a cub reporter, junior reporter. Um, basically, Liam needed needed somebody to to give him a hand, making phone calls, making tea uh, a lot of the time for him, uh, going to the shop. And um, by 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 uh, extension, then I graduated into um, into doing some on air work, reading results. Um, reading very short reports that might have been sent into the radio station back in those days by fax or somebody might have rang them in or I might have rang that person to get the details. And I think Liam saw something. He maybe saw a little bit of potential. And uh, before I knew it, I was, um, I was out and about covering games with, with a mobile phone that was nearly as big as myself at the time. Um, and then again, before I knew it, maybe a year or two later, I was uh, I was commentating on a, on a Connacht minor final for Midwest Radio, and that that went fairly well, all things considered, or at least I think it did. And then again, a few months later, Liam had me sitting in uh, in the presenter's chair in Midwest Radio. I think it was maybe I don't think I turned sixteen, and uh, I was presenting a, a Saturday sports show. Um, I, I'll never forget how nervous I was. Um, I'll never forget the, the adrenaline rush. And again, it, it seemed to go well. And one thing just led to another and it just snowballed. And look, I'd be always be very grateful to, to Midwest Radio for all the opportunities they gave me at such a young age. Um, you know, Paul Claffey in, in particular, um, Jim Carney and Liam Horan, who were, who were the sports editors at the time, they showed great faith in me as, as a very young boy and, and as a teenager. And they gave me a lot of responsibility. And it, it is one of those things, and, and I'm sure you're getting to know this, Kian, the longer you spend behind a microphone, it is one of those professions where, where you sink or swim. And the only way you're going to find out is, is to jump in and, and, and give it your best. And um, the more 
commentaries I did, the more reports I did, the more time I spent behind a microphone, the more confidence I got. And I started to develop a feel for, for it. And I started to develop um, a fanatical interest in it. And then I suppose when the time came to do my leave insert and, and fill out my CAO form and make some decisions, it, it, was, it was a no brainer for me. It, 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 it was somewhere I wanted to be. I've always been quite good at English in school. So writing uh, match reports, writing sport wasn't really a problem. And the way I would look at the broadcasting is you're always learning. Every day is a school day. I, there would be broadcasters even as recently as last night, you know, you're flicking through Sky Sports, you stumble across maybe rugby on BT, you stumble across golf on Sky. You might just stop for, for a little while, have a listen, see what you can pick up, see what you can learn, look for little little nuances in, in how the, the different broadcasters uh, speak, how they maybe cope with a certain situation, the pace in their voice, the tone in their voice, and, you know, you maybe make a mental note and you, and, you, and you try and learn from that. So even though I've been at it quite a long time, um, I would still feel it's one of those jobs. It's one of those professions or crafts where you're always, always learning. Mm, yeah. And you mentioned, yeah, obviously said there that you're obviously still learning. But I mean, when you're that age, teenage age um, at Midwest Radio, who did you look up to? Was there a specific person there or more nationally? Did you go, I want to be like him? Yeah, I, I suppose for, for as long as I can remember, I, I would always have been a big fan of Jer Canning. Um, I think Jer Canning is, 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 a, is a true pro. I think he's, he's one of the nicest people you could, you could uh, want to meet or you would meet in, in, this, in this industry or anywhere. But he's also a, a brilliant professional. And I mean, considering the, the sheer scale, the sheer volume of commentaries Jer has done, over the length of his career, um, you know, that he's still able to do his job at such a high level is, is, a, is a credit to him. And I suppose when you're growing up as well and the voice you hear um, has such a big impact on you, you can't help but then be a little, I suppose, starstruck when 20 odd years later, you find yourself maybe sharing a commentary box or sharing a press box with that person because Jerry Canning would have been, would have been a commentator that I would have grown up listening to on television. Obviously, Miola Hertig was brilliant, um, unique, very distinctive. Um, you know, there was nobody quite like Miola Hertig when it came to radio commentary. I'd be a huge fan of Dara Maloney from, from the time Dara would have would have broken into to national broadcasting. He would have been someone I immediately would have would have um, kept a close eye and a close ear on. Um, I think he's he's as good as what's uh, as what's anywhere in 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 the world in terms of a sports broadcaster. Um, Jim Sherwin was was another commentator when I was growing up. Did quite a bit of rugby and tennis for RTE. Um, brilliant voice. He would have been somebody um, that I also would have would have been drawn to. And look, Jimmy McGee as well, um, and George Hamilton as as soccer commentators. Jimmy McGee as well, a brilliant boxing commentator. Um, they, they would have been they would have been guys as well that I always would have tried to learn from and listen to and um, and try and try and pick up some tricks of the trade from. But they would be the ones certainly that would spring to mind when I was growing up as as commentators that that I would have felt were were on top of their game. Mm, yeah, and now you're obviously a very established commentator yourself. 
Uh, what's kind of a, a, a day or a week building up to, let's say, an All-Ireland final for uh, be it Sky Sports or Air Sports or whoever you're working for? Well, look, probably won't come as a massive surprise to hear that, that there is a lot of work involved, a lot of prep work, a lot of uh, preliminary work before you get to to the ground the day of the game. And, and there's no doubt that's that's the fun part. The, the, the actual game itself, um, you know, I, I would never... Thankfully, I would never feel under under any pressure or any major nerves. I mean, of course, you'd have you'd have a little bit of nervous tension, but that's a good thing. You know, you're if you don't have that, you're probably in the wrong game. Um, but I would always kind of treat the commentary like I would have treated exams or or um, you know tests in school, where I would feel if if you've done the work in advance and if you can if you can say to yourself if you, if you can look in the mirror and say you've covered all bases. You've um, you haven't left yourself short, or you haven't rushed, or you haven't cut corners. It really helps you to be relaxed in the, the, the day of a game. Um, and I remember somebody saying years ago at, at, at a, a kind of a commentary broadcasting course we we, we attended. Oh, it's, uh, it's it's quite a while ago now, but it always stuck in my mind that you know you can bring as many notes as as you feel you need to to in, into a commentary. But there's sometimes no better feeling than bringing a lot of those notes home again that evening, not having used them, because it, 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 it obviously tells you that you've been lucky enough to commentate on a really good game or it has flown by so quickly that you haven't had the need or the time to go maybe looking for those little stats or nuggets that you, um, that you thought you might need. And um, I would start my prep for, for a commentary regardless of, of, of the time of year or who I was working for, I, I would start my, my prep on a, on a Tuesday. Um, that's traditionally my day off with the Mayo News anyway. So I would probably start the, start the prep by watching some, some tapes, um, watching some games back of the teams that were in at the weekend, um, familiarising myself just with body shapes, with uh, strappings, boots, haircuts. Uh, if it's hurling, it might be what hand they hold the hurley, the strapping on the hurley, the helmet colours, all that sort of stuff. And also, obviously, getting a feel for, for their more, most recent game, um, who played well, who didn't, tactically how they set up, switches they might have made, players who came on and made an impact, all of those sort of things. Then I would, uh, in the evenings that followed later that week, I would kind of intersperse watching a bit of tape with reading through some match reports, maybe um, going back through my notes from previous games where I would have covered those teams, just looking for a few little nuggets on each player who was likely to play. And then by Thursday or Friday, when you get the team list sent to you, that's your chance where you can really start to, to hone in and start to get, I suppose, the numbers and the positions into your head where you expect them to play on the Saturday or the Sunday. And then on the actual day of the game itself, very little um, uh, prep work. It's a bit like trying to study, I suppose, the morning of an exam. You might flick through the, the, that day's papers. You might try and find maybe something fresh, something relevant, something interesting. If team A was to win, it would be this would be significant for these reasons. Or if team B was to lose for the same for the same reasons, there might be just some historical stuff or some newsy stuff. And then you just want to try and really relax for a few hours before the game. Um, I would be very um, superstitious is probably the wrong word, but I, I would have a routine that I would like to try and follow most game days. Um, a lot of it involves just sort of clearing out your head of clutter, 
and distractions and just been very relaxed, making sure you have plenty of uh, water uh, drank and plenty of water with you and small things like that you've, you've eaten at the right time, not too much that you feel in any way sort of sleepy or, or, or any way sort of uh, uh, out of it. But, you know, just, just to eat at the right time, to eat the right things and to make sure that when you get to the, the venue, you get there in plenty of time, but not too early that you're hanging around and trying to kill time and try and talk to as few people as possible, really, to be honest, in the hour before the game starts. You want to try and keep your, your head clear. You want to try and keep your focus so that when the time comes for you to, to do your thing, to do your job, that you are, you are as right as you can possibly be. And it's amazing how quickly that hour, that 70 minutes, that 90 minutes, whatever it is, flies by. It's, it's over so quickly. And um, that's then when, uh, when you can sort of relax. And uh, yeah, you, you'd have no problem sleeping um, the, night after, the night after a big game. You're absolutely, you're flat. You're, your battery is flat, but that's the way you want to be. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you're you're playing the match yourself there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it feels but, uh, like it sometimes. Yeah, it feels like it sometimes. Um, but you've obviously you've done the the broadcast side things for a number of years now. Um, what's the key if you're to give to a young journalist or a young person like me? What's the key trait that you kind of be going right? This is what you have to to to, to do or to learn when you're obviously commentating. I I would say there are a few things. Uh, first and foremost, get as much experience as you can, uh, whether that's commentating for your school on schools games, for maybe a video that, that the, the, the manager or the, or the school is making of, of a particular game, be it Gaelic games, soccer, rugby, volleyball, whatever it is. Likewise, for your local club, loads of clubs now right around the country are streaming matches, are recording matches, are Facebook living games. Put your hand up, volunteer, say, look, I'd, I'd love to, to get involved. Where do I start? I know my own club here in Ballinrobe, Liam Boren, incidentally enough, has been a huge part of building up Ballinrobe's club radio service. And he has brought through a huge amount of young people, boys and girls here in the, in, in the local area, who are interested in broadcasting, who want to try their hand and who want to try and get some experience. So that'd be the first thing I would say. Get as much experience as you can. Contact your local newspaper if you'd like to write some match reports. You know, don't be afraid to, to send the email, to make the phone call, to, to initiate contact. And you'd be amazed. Uh, I, I would suggest nine times out of 10, you get a very positive reaction, but you need to get that experience. The other thing I would say is find the best commentators, broadcasters, writers in the business and read them and listen to them and watch them and try and learn from them as much as you can. Um, watch what they do. Take, take interest in what they do. In your case, with, with the likes of these podcasts, you get an opportunity to talk to an awful lot of those people and ask them directly. So again, don't be afraid. There have never been more ways to, to reach out and contact people via social media, via email. You know, Make that contact and, and ask them some questions that you think might be beneficial. Um, and certainly read would be a big part of, of, of my advice as well. You know, you need to read to expand your vocabulary. You need to read to learn more about your subject so that when the time comes, then if you want to be a broadcaster, you want to be a journalist, you have the vocabulary 
and you have the 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 almost uh, the, the fallback encyclopedia or or the volume of of words and of language and of research to to be able to do your job um, again to the best of your ability. But the only way you're going to know whether or not you're cut out to be a broadcaster, a commentator, a journalist is is to get that experience and and to go and get your hands dirty and. Um, see if you get the kick out of it as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those jobs where you really have to, to love it and enjoy it to, to do it, to do it well. And, and I would say that's the same for any job. If, 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 if you're working in a job and you just don't get that kick, you don't have that passion for it. You'd be amazed how quickly you'll, uh, you'll fall out of love with it and it might become a chore. And that's, that's the last thing anybody wants. Mm, yeah that's some great advice there uh, I'll just end this Mike with a quick fire round so that's that's okay I'll so, do my um, best I'll do <laughs> as quick quick as you like um, your favourite uh, sport to watch other than GAA probably rugby union at the moment yeah alright and uh, who would be your favourite team well, I'll be honest. I'm, again, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. Um, I've taken a particular interest in Connacht over the last few years. Um, there are a few Mayo guys on their books at the moment. You'd always be hoping they would do well. They would break through. And I'd be a big fan of Jack Carty as well. I think I think Jack Carty is one of the most underrated mm. uh, outhaves in, in, in the country. And um, hope, hopefully, hoping to see him break back into, into an Irish squad again, an Irish team again, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and before COVID, would you have gone to Galway to a lot of these kind of games? Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough um, in the year pre-COVID and, and a little since, since, the, uh, since it arrived to, to be working at some Connacht games. And that gave me a great insight, I suppose, into, into the mechanics of rugby at that level because that's one of the, the perks, I suppose, of, of, of commentating on games. You do get to be in the best seat in the house. You, you get a really good overview and maybe you, you see things that you don't always pick up on tv or you certainly don't always pick up if you're in the the clan terrace maybe with a gang of your mates or down behind the goal um where you're you're maybe distracted you're not watching things as closely as as you should be so um yeah i, I find the sports ground is a lovely place to watch a game actually it's a lovely tight compact tidy ground great atmosphere um and again hopefully we'll have we'll have crowds back in there and everywhere else sooner rather than later Hopefully, yeah. And what's uh, who are your favourite kind of, I guess, young journalist broadcasters that are kind of coming up through the ranks that you're looking at at the moment and going, these guys could be the next kind of big thing? That's a very good question. Um, there are a lot of really good guys involved in, in the 42, actually. Um, mm. I think at the moment, the 42 produce wonderful content online and audio and I'd be a fan of, of Gavin Cooney I think Gavin Cooney is very very good at what he does um, I really enjoy enjoy his his podcasts um, I think he's got a lovely interviewing style um, so he, he'd certainly be one that would spring to mind um, Damien Lawler is starting to make some inroads with with RTE as well since he since he moved across and and left us in Sky Sports to, to join the RTE stable he's one he's one to watch I think um, I think I think we could see Damien on on TV a lot more uh, in the years to come. I think he's 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 about to make a big breakthrough as well. And of course, there there are really really um, lots of female presenters and reporters at the moment who are who are breaking through and getting a lot more screen time, a lot more air time. And TG Carr have done a wonderful job 
in, in bringing through and giving so many uh, women experience in, in broadcasting and presenting and commentating. And um, I, I do think Maura Trasany-Duel, who presents the TG Car rugby coverage, is a, is a terrific broadcaster as well. She's mm. really, really good at what she does. Yeah. And who is your all-time favourite broadcaster, if you are to name one person? Yeah, that's a very difficult question because I would have... Or journalist. I would have quite a few. I would probably, look, if my, if my back was to the wall, again, and I'm, I'm, I'm showing my age here, but, you know, when you do grow up listening to, to someone as iconic as Jimmy McGee, Mm. Um, it's very hard to look beyond him. Um, like Jimmy McGee w- w- was gifted. He could turn his hand to so many different sports. What I, what I, one of the things I liked a lot about Jimmy McGee was his turn of phrase, but also the pace at which he, he, he commentated on games. You know, he knew when to up the pace. He knew when to drop it back. And he was a skilled broadcaster. And I was lucky enough to meet him. Uh, a few times before he passed away and a thorough gentleman always very generous with his time and in terms of giving you advice and I think somebody whose whose voice and whose legacy will will live on for decades and decades to come so yeah Jimmy McGee would probably be my be my uh, be my choice mm. and a bit of a different question what's your favorite uh, tv series well, it's funny you asked me that because I ended up in a, in a WhatsApp group conversation uh, last night about this. And um, that's that's a very strange coincidence. It just shows uh, strange. We get, we get into the strangest of conversations, all of us during, um, during lockdown. But um, it ended up for me in a sort of a tie between, and I'm really giving my age away here now, between uh, the A-team um, MacGyver and... Uh, the, the old Batman series who any yeah. anyone watching or listening who grew up in the 1980s will remember the old uh, Batman uh, TV series um, unfortunately the, the passage of time has not done it any favours it wasn't exactly breaking the budget on special effects back in the 1980s but um, yeah they, they would be my three and if I had to pick one I'd probably say the 18 yeah and now what's your favourite TV series currently um more, more currently, I'm, I'm, I'm like everyone else now. I'm, I'm flicking through Netflix mm. every night at a rate of knots, trying to find something, and I still would find it hard to look beyond uh, Succession, and that, that's for an out now TV series. And I've become addicted to uh, Drive to Survive as well, um, the Formula One series. Yeah, I think I could definitely, I, I would find it very hard to turn down an offer from a broadcaster to work full time in Formula One after watching the Drive to Survive series and uh, just um, throwing it out there. If anyone wants to, to give me a job in Formula <laughs> One, yeah, I'm, I'm open to offers. <laughs> and uh, are you a tea or coffee man? Coffee. Um, okay. Coffee, yes. I answered that much too quickly as well. I'm trying to regulate it as best I can, but um, I will be one of those people, yeah, until I get the first cup of coffee in in the morning probably a little bit cranky, not overly productive and um, best best to be avoided. Yeah, what type of coffee? Um, old, old school Americano and then maybe every couple of days might have a latte. Um, must give a shout out to, to Rob Murphy, uh, my my wingman on the Mayo News Football Podcast. Uh, Rob runs a, a centre here in Ballinrobe and uh, is a great man for, for throwing me out a complimentary latte every so often. So, um Big shout out to Frank and Honest uh, Coffee in, in the local centre. 
<laughs> and uh, last question if you're describe yourself in three words dedicated ambitious and hardworking very good mike thanks million thanks very much keen really enjoy talking to you Thank you.